Our scripture today is found in Matthew's uh, gospel, the first, first chapter, and it's verses 18 through 25. Let's stand in honor of God's word. Now, the birth of Jesus took place this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name, let's say it together, Jesus. You may be seated. When I first heard the song uh, on the radio back in the mid-90s, it drew me in. It was a song that was sung by Joan Osborne. Let's see if you remember the lyrics. If God had a name, what would it be? And what would you call it to his face? If you were faced with him in all of his glory, what would you ask if you had just one question? And you know, those lyrics really got my attention. And I'm the kind of person that can often find God in unexpected places. So I listened more closely, more intently and then came the more familiar lyrics that you may recognize if you haven't already recognized the ones that I've shared with you. What if God was one of us, just a slob like one of us? And you know, at first I felt it was almost sacrilegious. I was offended, I have to admit, initially. And then it clicked. I got the fact that the lyrics were supposed to be wishful thinking. What if... What if God could become ordinary, an average Joe, just like us? 2,700 years ago, roughly, a prophet of God allowed some wishful thinking of his own. In Isaiah 64, we read, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Rend the heavens. Isaiah's language speaks of division of a separation, the thinking that that God was distant, that he was removed. But in reality, haven't we all, at one time or another, wanted God to come down and just fix things? Just come into our midst and in some way make things all right and set things straight. And Isaiah goes on to talk about circumstances that are anything but ordinary, Mountains quaking and nations trembling. But how did the the Son of God, the baby that he foretold, actually come? Like one of us. But the only thing that was quaking 
We're the shepherds, remember? The lyrics in Silent Night, shepherds quake at the sight, right? Of the angelic beings bursting onto that desolate hillside. And trembling, what was trembling? (laughs) It was God himself. God himself that trembled in a susceptible human form, chilled by the night air, trembled. In times past, God had worked through kings and judges and prophets and patriarchs and priests, but now something different was happening. God was to become flesh and blood. The gospel writer, as I said earlier, writes, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Imagine, imagine the creator of the vast and ever-expanding universe, the infinite God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, confining himself to a woman's womb for nine months. Think about that. And he did it willingly. And upon being born in what was most likely a cave, sharing a stone livestock trough for a bed. You know, even though this was 2,000 years ago, these were primitive times, such conditions for a newborn baby would have still been unacceptable. And ponder this, the all-knowing, omnipotent God sitting on Mary's lap to learn how to read and write. You know, this has to have been a divine plan. You can't make this up. (laughs) He became one of us. And I guess we could say a slob like one of us. Because, you know, Jesus sweat. He got dirty. He had to take a bath. He got hungry. He got tired. And when he was cut, he bled. Why did he do it? God didn't need to find out what it was like to walk in our shoes. He didn't come because he needed us as friends. He didn't come so that he could be more accessible to us. And, you know, in fact, the opposite was true. By limiting himself to human form, Jesus could only be in one place at a time. No, God came to be a servant. He said it himself, to seek and to save the lost. You know, in our Monday morning quarterback easy chairs, we we now realize, of course, it could have been no other way. It really couldn't have been any other way. You see, our God is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords, but he is also a shepherd. He is also a companion. He is also a friend. And he calls us to worship him in his holy majesty, but he also beckons us to come close to him and rest in his presence. We need him as both God and man. 
We need him as both God and man. Only becoming flesh and blood on that first Christmas could fulfill our neediness. And he went to extreme measures to save us from our sins. So then why don't we trust him to graciously give us all that we need? It was the angel in a dream who reminded Joseph of the Old Testament prophecy from Isaiah. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. You know, there are three different ways you can say that, probably four different ways. God with us. God with us, and God with us. And then there's God with us. How did God become with us? Well, John tells us the word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. God pitched his tent here on this earth. And surprisingly, that didn't end after 33 short years. The incarnate took the flesh and blood that he had become, and continuing in the servant role, he offered it as a perfect sacrifice for us, each and every one of us. He gave his body, he shed his blood, and he did this knowingly and obediently. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. The disciples, when Jesus said that, I can't imagine what the disciples were thinking. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son, and then he got out the symbols. They must have breathed a sigh of relief when he did that. He gave us symbols of his body and blood, common everyday symbols of the bread and the cup. And then he said, do this in remembrance of me. He had said, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Let me read that again. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. It was symbolic of the way in which we are to connect with Jesus. You know, think about what happens to food when it enters our bodies. It becomes part of us, part of ourselves, part of our very being. And just as food actually becomes a part of our physical bodies, that's how we're to take Jesus into our spiritual beings, to feed on his teachings, to drink in his example. As I was writing this meditation, I kept thinking of the Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Listen to the last verse. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born to us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. 
You know, today I pray that each of us would allow Christ into our hearts, especially if we haven't already done so, and especially into our lives. Listen to verse 3. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given, so God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. You know, even if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now allow him, through his spirit, to pitch his tent in your life, to take up residence in your life, to be with you every single step of the way. Not just when it's convenient or when you think you need him. You see, because when we do that, when he lives in us, when we allow God's Holy Spirit to reside within us, he speaks to us, he guides us, he directs us, he may even convict us or chastise us when necessary, but he also comforts us and imparts God's peace to us. And how will we know? How will we know he is with us? Well, he is with us every time we allow our feet to choose that straight and narrow pathway instead of the broad way that is more inviting. We know he is with us every time we love instead of following our first inclination to despise or to hate or worse still, just be indifferent. We know he is with us when we hear his voice instead of the world's. We know when we turn the other cheek or we go the second mile or we pray for those who have no understanding about what we believe and think less of us for it. And his last words, his last words, they relate to Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus' last words, do you remember what they were? Behold, I am with you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let us pray. May this eternal truth be always on our hearts that the God who breathed this world into being placed stars into the heavens and designed a butterfly's wing is the God who entrusted his son to the care of ordinary people and became vulnerable so that we might know how strong is the wonder of that love. A mystery so deep it is impossible to grasp a mystery so beautiful, it is impossible to ignore. Amen. At this time, Harry and Leona will come forward to light the final candle. The white candle reminds us 
that Jesus is is the spotless Lamb of God, sent to wash away our sins. His birth for us was for his death. His death was for our birth. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1, 29. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you this morning. We rejoice, Lord, that you have given us this special day when we can celebrate the birth of your son. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus came. He was born a humble birth, born the same way that we were born, born of a woman grew, walked among us, and willingly went to the cross and gave his life so that we may live eternally with him. We rejoice, Father, in this gift that you have given us. And Father, I just ask that you will just lay it on our hearts that we can just worship you, that we can praise you, that we can give you thanks for this wonderful gift. It's better than any computer game we could get or any iPhone we might get or a new car or whatever, Lord, the gift of eternal life. And I ask, Lord, that we can just worship you and thank you each day of the year not just at this time of the year when we celebrate your birth, but every day, every day that we can thank you, worship you for this tremendous gift that you have given us. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 